God, thank you so much for who you are and for all that you do in our lives. God, we are just grateful for you. We're grateful for all that you have done, grateful for all the ways in which you have blessed us, grateful for your presence in our lives, grateful for the ways in which you have gifted us and uh, encouraged us through your spirit. God, we just, uh, we love you this morning. And God, this morning we come and we come to your word and we just pray as we do every week that you would speak to us through your word, that the words that would come out of my mouth would be your words for your people on your day, God, that we, we come to hear from you this morning. And so I pray that we would, we would do that, that we would leave this place knowing that we have heard from you and knowing that we have met with the one true God. God, we love you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we are, uh, we're finishing up our Elijah series today. Uh, it's been four weeks already. This is the fourth week, which blows my mind, uh, but it's been a fun series. Um, and it's been, I think it's, it's always fun to just kind of take a deep dive into a person in Scripture, into a specific person or a specific group of passages. It's always fun to go deeper because there's always something that maybe we've missed or always something that maybe that we, we haven't quite noticed before, or something that, we, that just pops up again. And so uh, it's always good when we go deep like this. But uh, so far, here's where we've been. Uh, we started in 1 Kings chapter 17 with really the beginning of the story of Elijah, right? Elijah the Tishbite. That's how he's introduced to us. Elijah the Tishbite from Tishba. That's how we know Elijah. He's at this point just kind of a random guy in scripture. Elijah the Tishbite from Tishba. God sends him to Ahab, who is a very evil king, and tells him, hey, look, it's not going to rain until I say it rains. Thus says the Lord, right? Basically is what he says. Uh, and it doesn't. But God pulls, pulls Elijah out of this moment with Ahab. After this, he, he pulls him out and he kind of keeps him in hiding in the Kareth Ravine. Remember the first week we talked about just feeling in that Kareth Ravine, feeling cut off, feeling alone. This, this place where Elijah found himself, where he was alone, but he was provided for. God provided for his every need. Right? Ravens brought him food in the morning. They brought him food in the evening. He was by a brook, uh, even though there was a drought, right? There was, there was no rain, but somehow he had fresh water from God. It, goes to, it just, just shows that the provision of God was on him. And he took that, and he took those, those lessons, and he went on to, to go and to share that, right? He went and provided for a woman who was running out of oil for her bread. And he says, look, this jar is not going to run out of oil. And, and it never did. The same woman's son died, and he, he healed this woman's son. He raised him back to life, right? Elijah does some amazing things as he has gone through, and he sees the provision of God. Week two, uh, we looked at Elijah's challenge to the prophets of Baal. This was two weeks ago. Uh, and we looked at this, this just pretty amazing story. Honestly, if you know who Elijah is, you probably know this story, because he basically calls out the prophets of Baal, the 450 prophets of Baal, the sun god, and says, look, if your god is real, have him bring fire on this altar. He's the sun god, right? He should be able to do this. And he says, I will call on my god to do the same. We, we build the altar, put the bull on, and he ends up dumping water on it, building trenches filled with water, all sorts of stuff. And God comes through, our god comes through. Baal does not. And the story ends with the people of Israel being able to say, look, the Lord is God. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And this is exactly what Elijah was going for. 
Oftentimes we look at the story as just kind of a, a story to show the power of God. How powerful is God that he can bring down fire from heaven? That's not the point of the story. The point of the story is that Elijah's prayer was that the people of God might see God and come back to him. That their hearts would be turned back. This is a story of repentance. Right, and then last week we looked at the prayer of Elijah right after this miracle, right after this time of him bringing fire down on the altar. And Elijah goes from here up to the mountain to pray. And he gets up and he kneels down with his head between his knees and he just begins to pray. He tells his servant, hey, go look over the sea. Tell me, if, tell me when the rain starts to come. Seven times. He sends his servant out. And the seventh time his servant comes back and says, I see a cloud as big as the man's hand over the sea. And Elijah basically just says, we better get moving or we're going to get wet. Right, the rain's going to come. Tell Ahab he better get going if he's going to beat the rain back to town. And, and there's a storm that comes. And we looked really not at this prayer, the words that he says, because we don't know the words that he says. The scriptures doesn't tell us what words that he said, but we just look at his, his posture in prayer. We look at how he came humbly before God, that he was praying specifically before God, that he was persistent, but that he also prayed expectantly. And I hope that your prayers have been, been shaped by that this week. But this week, we're going to finish off the series and finish off the story of Elijah by looking in 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to pick up where we left off, 1 Kings chapter 19. If you're in one of our pew Bibles and need a page, it's on page 306. Uh, and honestly, this is a very interesting chapter to me because something happens in this chapter with Elijah and with just the way that he is that you would not expect having read the last two or three chapters. A ton of amazing things are happening, right? He's done miracles. He's seen God move in powerful ways. The Spirit of God came on him in a powerful way, allowed him to outrun the chariots back to town, right? He's done some just amazing things, and yet he begins to struggle with a little bit of depression. He begins to struggle again with doubt, and he begins to look at things just a little bit differently. So I want to look at this chapter, uh, not the whole chapter, but a lot of the chapter this morning. Uh, we'll start at verse 1. Let's read together. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba and Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. I want to just stop right here and just talk about what's happening with Elijah. I just want you to remember this. Where was he just now? Elijah has just defeated the prophets of Baal in this challenge. He's just prayed for rain, and the rain has come. And now, I mean, just think of fire has come from heaven. Rain has come to end the drought. And, and now, after enough time has passed that Ahab has told Jezebel everything that Elijah has done, which I'd like to say immediately, but I know us husbands tend to wait a little bit to tell our wives the full stories, right? It might have been a few days. Who knows? But in a matter of hours... Elijah is afraid and ran for his life, verse 2. 
How do we go from one, seeing fire come down from heaven, praying for rain and seeing it happen, to being on the run and afraid of your life in a matter of hours? How does this happen? Like, what is, what is Elijah going through? And I think, honestly, there's, <clears throat> I think we can probably relate to this a little bit. Have you ever gone from super high to super low in a matter of hours? Everything seems really good. Everything seems really great. You've just seen some amazing things. You just had a great weekend. And then it's Monday, and all of a sudden, you're just like, ah, praying to God, just like Elijah. I just... Can I just die today? <laughs> it's a Monday. I just want to just be done, right? And, and we go from super high to super low. This is not just an Elijah thing. I think this happens to us as well. Things, get, things are going great, super good. And you get home and you start feeling a little depressed. We start feeling down. And I think we see some things here in Elijah that I think we can watch for in ourselves as well. I and mean, the first thing is this. Elijah wore himself out. Elijah wore himself out emotionally, physically. He is worn out. He's on the run again, physically, right? He's made another huge long trip by foot. This trip that we're talking about just in the first five verses here, when he goes on a run, this is like from one side of the kingdom to the other, and then he leaves his servant and goes even farther. Right, this is a long trip that he has taken. He's, he's not just doing something just, just small. right? He is physically spent. He is tired, but he's emotionally spent as well. Think about going from these super high highs of seeing his God provision firsthand, bringing a woman's son back to life, seeing that this jar is never going empty, seeing that fire comes from heaven, seeing that the rain comes when you pray from it. You go from all of that and hearing, now hearing that the most evil queen is coming after you and coming for your head again. That is, that's a lot. That's a lot to process. That's a lot. He's exhausted. He sat down under the broom bush. He prays that he would die and then he falls asleep. He is exhausted. Elijah wore himself out. Here's the second thing he did. He isolated himself. Elijah goes on a trip, brings his servant with him, and then ditches him in Beersheba. Says, you wait here, I'm going to keep going. And he goes on another day's journey by himself. He isolated himself. He's on this long journey. I think I actually see myself a lot in Elijah here. I think when I am worn out like Elijah was, when I am burning out mentally, physically, emotionally, I tend to pull away, isolate myself. I don't think I'm alone in this. I think this is probably a human experience that we all go through. We isolate ourselves. But I think one of my, one of my first instincts in times where I'm feeling depression creeping in or times where I'm just at a low point is to pull away. Maybe you can relate to that. I know Elijah related to that. Here's the next thing, he, he focused on the negative, even if it was just a perceived negative. He says, I'm no better than my ancestors. Who are his ancestors? His ancestors are the ones who, who went to the prophet Baal and started to worship. His ancestors are the ones who kept turning away from God. Right? And here's, here's Elijah basically saying, look, I'm, I just, just kill me now. I'm not just saying that's, that's his words, just... Just kill me now. Throws himself a little self-pity party under the bush tree. But interestingly, he's not the only Old Testament prophet to do that. If you look in Jonah chapter 4, Jonah does the same thing. Sits under a bush and complains. Right? 
<laughs> if you're going to do this, God, I don't want to be a part of this. Like, this is basically, basically what Jonah is. He's not even the only Old Testament prophet to, to have one of these conversations with God under the tree. But the fourth thing he does is he loses sight of God's faithfulness. He had to have. I mean, he's just, he forgets that God has just brought him through all of this. This isn't even the first time that Jezebel has threatened his life. And yet now he's afraid. Now he's on the run. The first time, God provided. This time, as we'll see, God provides again. But I just, I want to just, just see this. Even just at verse 5, we see Elijah kind of slipping into a depression here. We see him kind of slipping to a low point, having just come off of some of the, some of the highest highs that I'd imagine a prophet could have. Right? Fire comes down from heaven. Like, yes. Raising a woman's son back to life. Yes. Making sure this jar does not come empty so she never goes hungry. Like, amen. Like, how cool is this stuff that he's doing? How amazing is this stuff that he is doing? And yet, here he is. And I think even for us sometimes, we need to just kind of see that we can go from super high to super low really quick. But part of the way that we can get there is if we wear ourselves out, if we isolate ourselves, if we just focus on the negative, even if it's just a perceived negative, or if we just lose sight of God's faithfulness. We can slip into these low lows that Elijah finds himself in. But how does God respond to Elijah in this time of depression? Let's continue to read here. Verse 5. Well, the next 5B if you want to do that. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals in a jar of water. He ate and drank, and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by the food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, like God needs to ask that question. I love when God asks questions. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars and put prophets to the death with a sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, Mehola to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel 
who all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. We'll stop right there. Well, we'll stop right there, but here's what happens after this. Elijah goes and he does all that stuff. He calls Elisha. Elisha is basically the, he ends up being like the mini-me to Elisha, right? He follows him, he does all these things, and uh, anyways, it's good. This, but that's the end of the story of Elisha that we have until we get to 2 Kings where he goes to heaven in a chariot of fire. doesn't even have to die. There's the rest of the story. But I want to focus on this. I want to focus on this instance here. And how does God respond to Elijah in his low point, in his time of depression? I think God responds in some amazing ways here in Elijah's time of need. But what he doesn't do, I want you to hear what he doesn't do. There's no rebuke of Elijah. Of Elijah. It's not, it doesn't, God doesn't go to Elijah and say, why are you feeling like this? Like, have you not just seen all that I have done? You have no reason to feel this way. There's no rebuke of the way that he feels. No rebuke. God simply comes and meets with him in the way that he is feeling. God doesn't say that you shouldn't be feeling this way. You're not allowed to feel this way. He doesn't, none of that. God allows Elijah to feel the way he's feeling and he meets him right there in those feelings. I want to just encourage you, if you hear nothing else from me this morning, hear this. You are more than allowed to have the feelings that you are feeling, whatever they may be. Feelings of depression, feelings of anxiety, feelings of joy and hope, whatever you may be feeling. You are more than allowed to feel those feelings. And God will meet you wherever you are in those feelings, just like he does with Elijah right here. But listen to his response. It's not a response of rebuke. His response, first of all, is to tell him to eat and rest. Boy, we are not good at rest, are we? We are not good at rest. I know I'm not good at rest. I go and I go and I go and I go. Stuff needs to get done and I can justify it any way I want to justify it, but I just keep going until it's all done and I just am not really good at rest. Honestly, in our culture, sometimes even taking time to rest is a sign of weakness, right? Like, I need a break. Oh, okay, yeah, you need a break. Uh, No, rest is important. In fact, taking time to rest is not a sign of weakness. It's part of the Ten Commandments, right? Honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. We're commanded to rest. We're commanded to take breaks and to rest, and we're commanded there. And so sometimes one of the most sacred, holy things that we can do is nothing. It's just rest and just spend time with God. This, this is some of the most holy things that we can do is just to rest. But here's the second thing. So he tells him to eat and rest, and then he, he replaces his lies, Elijah's lies, his self-lies, with the real truth that he has. Listen to what Elijah says. I've been very zealous for the Lord. True. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars. Also true. They put prophets to death by the sword. True. They're trying to kill me too. True. I'm the only one left. Nope. See, he's feeling alone. He's feeling like he's the only one that can do what God is calling him to do. He's the only one that can go forward with this. He's the only one that can do this. But in reality, as we see later, there are 7,000 people in Israel who have not bowed and have not kissed Baal. He's not alone. He feels alone, but I think this is really interesting. He's, he's putting an enormous amount of pressure on himself because he's thinking he's the only one left. 
He's the only one willing to stand and fight Jezebel. He's the only, well, he's not really willing to stand and fight Jezebel, is he? He's hiding. But he's the only one willing to, to do what it takes to go there and to do this and to overcome. He's the only one. And then you get to verse 15. He's telling him to go anoint some others. But he says there's 7,000 in Israel who have not bowed to Baal. What is he saying? You're not alone, Elijah. You're not alone. He replaces his kind of self-lies with the truth of what is reality. And then he speaks to him in a still, small voice. Remember who Elijah is used to dealing with here. This is the God who brings fire down from heaven. This is the God who raises people back to life, provides miraculously in other situations. And God says, my presence is about to pass by. And I love this passage in in verse 11. It says, the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. I'll just say this. Sometimes... When we are at our lowest is when God speaks the softest. Think about this in terms of parent and the child. When my kids are down, when they're hurt, when they're frustrated, when they're at a low point, it does me no good to keep raising my voice or to raise my voice at all. What's the best thing to do? So kneel down, get on their level, and have a conversation. And oftentimes, not a loud conversation. Oftentimes, I'm not talking very loud at all. I'm speaking in a a quiet, still voice. And Elijah, here's Elijah, at his low, in a cave, and wind comes and just thrashes the mountain. Remember, this is the God who brings fire down from heaven. But he's not in the wind. And he's not in the earthquake. He's not in the fire. He's in the small, still whisper. And Elijah knows the voice of God, and he comes out of the cave. I think we need to hear this this morning. Some of us are struggling with depression or feeling down or feeling sad. Sometimes the presence of God comes in a gentle whisper just to remind you, you are not alone. I'm here, I'm with you, I'm here. I think sometimes we just need to hear the gentle whisper of God and sometimes when we're at our lowest is when God speaks to us the softest. Here's the last thing that he does is he ends up giving him something to do. (laughs) In verse 15 and 16, uh, here's, here's what he says. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, anoint Jehu, anoint Elisha. He just, here's basically what he's saying. Go do what prophets do. Go do what you're meant to do. Go do what I have put you here to do. But in other words, he's just saying, if you're still alive, you're not done. (laughs) Right? We can't stay in this place forever. It's time to get moving again. I have more for you to do. But here's what I want to just 
I want to just make a note of this. We have a tendency when we're dealing with depression, dealing with low times in our lives, to go first to this step. Well, I'm just going to work my way out of it. I'm feeling low. I'm feeling down. I just got to stay busy. I'm just going to do whatever I have to do to not feel this way. I'm just going to stay busy. But I want you to see this. God does not start here. God listens to him. He comes down. He speaks to him. He, he gives him rest. He lets him speak. He allows him to talk out what he's going through. He, he speaks into his life. And it's not until all of that other stuff happens that God says, all right, now it's time to go. It's not until God is able to, to hear what Elisha thinks is going on in his head. It's not until he allows him to, to get some rest in this cave. It's not allow, until he allows him to, he feeds him, he gives him water and food. It's not until all of that happens that he says, all right, it's time to get back out of, back out of here. It's time to go. Time to do what I've called you to do. Let's move. Go on, this guy, this guy, this guy. Everything's going to be fine. Now, I don't know about you. Actually, this is really comforting for me. <laughs> to see a guy like Elijah, a guy who we've just read three chapters of him just doing just miracle after miracle and just being, you know, just calling fire down from heaven and praying for rain and knowing that the cloud, a cloud the size of a man's hand is going to bring just this heavy storm. <laughs> like, sometimes you look at Elijah and you're like, yes, I want to be like that. But then you read this chapter and you're like, hmm. I don't know about you, this is actually really comforting to me to see a guy like Elijah, pretty much on top of the world, doing some amazing things for God, sort of kind of come down off the hill and be at the bottom for a little bit. Because in reality, that's, that's where we live. Right, we have high times in our lives. There are times that I feel really good about what's going on in life. There are times when I leave Sunday morning and I just think, man, that was the greatest sermon I ever preached. There are times when I leave Sunday morning, I'd be like, I'm pretty sure no one heard what I was saying. I have high times, I have low times. Not just here at church, I'm talking everywhere. Like I, We have high times in our lives where things just go just amazing. Work is good, home is good, family is good, everybody's healthy, everybody's doing fine. Then we have other times when everything's just not good. Nothing's good. There are times when I struggle to figure out like, what is actually good right now? Okay, well, this is, okay, I have to like think about what's good in my life, right? There are times we're at the high, there are times we're at the low, but I also just want to just say this, even for us in the low times, God reminds us to rest. He reminds us, uh, he, he listens to us, and he replaces the lies that we tell ourselves with, with his truth, and then he gives us something to do, to go after, to, to be the person he's called us to be, right? Even when we're at our low, God listens. Even when we're at our low, God will speak truth into your life. Even when we're at our low, God will give you rest and he will provide for you. But even when we're at our low, God still calls us to go and be the person he's called us to be. It might take a little bit. He's going to give you some time to rest, to recoup, to re-energize, but he's going to call you to go. Next verse here says, so Elijah went. Those first three words. Elijah went. He did the things that God was calling him to do. And we look at Elijah now, and we say, this is one of the most faithful men in all of Scripture. Say this, even the most faithful men in all of Scripture 
have times like chapter 19 where nothing seems right, where depression creeps in, where, where just, we just feel down and low. But even in those moments, God allows us to rest. He allows us to speak what is on our mind. He speaks truth back in to fight against our lies, and he tells us to go. I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know if this is a low time or a high time. I don't know where you're at. But I pray that if this is a low time, that you would just go to God. Allow him to speak truth into your life. Allow him to give you rest. Allow him to to give you purpose and to, to remind you of your purpose, that he would call you out of it and into something. But hear this this morning. Whatever you're feeling is a valid feeling. If you're feeling depressed, that's okay. You're allowed to feel depressed. Feeling joyous, that's okay. You're allowed to feel joyous. But I want you to hear this. God is with you wherever you are. God will speak into whatever emotions, whatever feelings that you have. This is who he is. This is who he is. He gives you rest. He speaks truth into your life, and he calls you out of it. Let's pray. God, God, this morning, I have, I have no idea where many of the people in here are mentally, emotionally, but you do. And so, God, I just pray that you would, you would just speak into the lives of those who are here. That if there are some who are at, at low points, some who are in depression, God, that you would speak into their lives, that you would... You would hear them as they pray, that you would listen, that you would speak into their lives and combat the lies that we tell ourselves. And God, that you just give them the rest that they need. God, there might be some who are not at a low point, but they're maybe at a, a high point, and that's okay too. God, I just pray that as, as, as we go forward, that you would just continue to remind them that you are there. Continue to remind them that whatever they're feeling is a good feeling, it's, it's a valid feeling. That you are with them in those feelings. That you, that you are with them as they struggle. That you are with them in their highs. You are with them in their lows. That you are always with us. And God, I just, I just, just pray that you would continue to move in our lives. Continue to uh, just, just give us the rest that we need. Give us the words that we need. Give us the truth that we need to combat the lies that we tell ourselves every day. God, we love you. We give you praise. We give you all the glory. You deserve it all, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? As you stand, uh, would you just hold your hands out and just receive a blessing from God this morning? May our God... God of grace, God of love, God of truth. May he go with you and ahead of you this week. Be in your workplaces, in your homes, in your families, wherever you may find yourself, that you might be a witness for him, that you might make a difference for him. May he remind you that even in your lows, he is there. May he remind you that even in your highs, he is there and he is with you. May his presence go with you and encourage you this week. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thanks for coming this week, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy the week.